Welcome to Conversations in Equine Science. My name is Kate Acton and I'm joined by Nancy McLean. And this is the podcast where we take equine research and try and make it accessible to horse owners and enthusiasts alike. Remember that with each topic we discuss, it's important to get professional advice before implementing any of the strategies. This week, I'm going to be talking about feeding the equine hoof. Greetings, everyone. I'm Nancy McLean, and the paper I'll be discussing is titled Feeding the Foot, Nutritional Influences on Equine Hoof Health by Teresa A. Burns, DVM, PhD. She is from the Department of Veterinary Clinical Sciences at The Ohio State University. Hoof care, whether it's hoof trimming or hoof shoeing, is only a part of the equation when it comes to hoof health. Proper nutrition is essential to grow healthy walls, lamina, soles, and frogs. This article has five key points that I thought was really important when it comes to assessing the hoof health of our horses. You know, sometimes your horse will go through a period of time where you'll see maybe the little sand cracks or uh, maybe it'll be brittle and break off. And a lot of times that can be related to the weather, uh, the diet, uh, genetics, of course, plays a part. And then also the hoof trimming mechanics, the balance. So the key points, number one is a balanced diet is essential for optimum growth and health of the entire horse, including the foot. So when I think about a balanced diet, I always think the only way you can do that is to sit down and do a ration calculation and find out what you're actually feeding your horse in percentages or in milligrams, and then you compare that to the National Research Council's recommendations. Now, a good um, balance would give you the digestible energy you're feeding, the amount of calories, and the majority of those calories are going to come from your carbohydrates. Also, it should uh, give you a crude protein amount, your um, amino acid lysine, your calcium, your phosphorus, your copper and zinc and selenium, uh, manganese, iodine, iron, sodium, chloride, uh, magnesium even, because a lot of times magnesium is a good glucose control um, mechanism, especially um, if your horse is has some insulin dysregulation problems going on. Potassium, vitamin A, vitamin D, vitamin E, B1, B2, and then folic acid. So that encompasses the whole ration calculation. Now, along with that, you need your starch and sugar percentages as well. And uh, usually on the feed tag, you can see your starch amount. You may have to call the feed company to get the sugar amount. And then adding those two together 
will give you that percentage. And it's recommended 10% or lower if you have a horse that's experiencing equine metabolic problems. It's hard to find one, 10 or lower. Uh, sometimes low starch feeds, or actually when you add those two components, it's more towards 15. So you really have to be careful and don't be afraid to call your feed company and get those amounts if you can't find them on the feed tag. And then um, the key point number two is that the structures of the equine hoof can be affected by conditions that involve nutritional excesses. So you've heard on our weight loss and weight management episodes that um, pasture, um, you know, feeding too much hay, um, you know, just overfeeding in particular and then not having enough exercise to burn that excess off. I always say, it's about a balance of calories in and calories out. And, you know, you can't say that enough that that also affects the quality of the equine hoof. And then also, uh, along with that ration calculation, you can figure out what you're missing, what you're not hitting at that 100% rate. And you can supplement with vitamins, amino acids, um, trace minerals and, that are needed and that do affect hoof growth and hoof horn quality. And all knowing all this um, can be so beneficial to assess uh, clinical problems you may be having um, that involve the hoof horn and, and the hoof quality. Um, there's not a lot of research in this, so that's why um, they put out this paper because they realize a guide to clinical practice is lacking in this area. And then also there's not a whole lot of equine nutritionists that you can just call and consult and uh, plan an appropriate life stage work level along with disease status um, diet, that you can just kind of put it all together. So uh, if you can find one, that's awesome because you'll know you're feeding the whole package. Now, along with that disease status, maybe absorption problems. So these ration calculations are only as fed. So if there are dental problems, they won't be getting all of those nutrients because it likely will be falling out of their mouth if they can't chew it. And then also there are issues where maybe they're not able to absorb a certain nutrient. So you do have to kind of work with your veterinarian through labs and through um, you know, consulting him or her as to what uh, your horse needs to be able to absorb. Older horses may not chew as well, and chewing is the first line of digestion. So uh, you have to kind of put it all together into a nice package. So um, equine nutrition is highly influential when it comes to the hair and hooves. And you know the old adage, no hoof, no horse. It's so true. And when you're fighting abscesses and um, 
cracks and it's such an endless cycle of concern on the part of the owner and the trainer. So um, there are many diseases that um, the carbohydrates affect and for those they're chronic diseases usually and they're also diseases that are from the horse just being overfed and overeating. It's also um, pasture pets that don't really do any exercise. That can be a problem as well. So whether you're a horse or human, sedentary lifestyles can be detrimental to your overall well-being. And in horses, it can also be detrimental to their um, hoof structure. So we're going to kind of go lightly on the carbohydrate section of this because we've covered that a lot in different and past episodes. So check that out. But we're going to mainly talk about the um, protein and the micronutrients that a hoof needs. Once we complete this episode, next week, I'll have Ida Hammer on, who is the founder and director of the uh, Mackinac Dells 2 um, Whole Horse Hoof Care School. And she teaches uh, trimming and shoeing and feeding, as well as different therapies. Uh, so we'll give you her information next week, but she's going to come on and kind of add to this information and tell everyone what her experience is when she walks into a barn and assesses um, a horse's hoof, whether it's the balance or the components of the hoof horn uh, and what she does to try and fix that. So we're going to go ahead and we'll take a um, sponsor break and then uh, we'll go into the a little bit of the fat and protein, but then we're going to go into the micronutrients that the hoof needs. And if you do buy a hoof supplement, what we're going to talk about um, after this is the components you want in that hoof supplement. So anyway, we'll be right back. So we're going to start out with carbohydrates briefly. Um, it's always good to remember you've got your non-structural carbohydrates, which are your sugars and fructins and starches, and they usually originate from plant cell contents. So they're very easily broken down and digested by the small intestine of the horse. So they rapidly get into the bloodstream and they do affect postprandial or the hour after eating or hours. Um, they raise that gluco glucose level, which makes the pancreas support more or give more insulin. And so you have this um, starting out so quickly. I mean, even in humans, you eat an M&M and you might as well be injecting that sugar into your veins because um, there's nothing structurally in the walls of that to make it a little bit more timely to digest. Same way with a horse. So you, those are your non-structural 
carbohydrates. They're also water-soluble carbohydrates. And that's why when you soak hay, you're able to leach some of the sugar out of it. And if you have an overweight horse or one that is metabolic, it's highly recommended uh, you either cut the hay early, early morning hours before those sugars come up in the plant or you soak the hay uh, to be able to lessen the amount uh, of sugars that will impact for rapid digestion versus the structural carbohydrates, which um, are kind of from plant cell walls, so they're more rigid. Um, that will be your cellulose, your lignin, your hemicellulose or hemicellulose, and those, you know, that's your browsy hay. That's your busy hay. And it's always good um, for overweight horses to have at least 50% of their hay ration be that high lignin, high cellulose hay. A lot of people in the horse world call it busy work. So you're talking about uh, simple sugars ethanol-soluble carbohydrates, which can be fructans, starches. Uh, your simple sugars can also be fructans and starches. Uh, sugars, disaccharides, oligosaccharides, all those can be digested very quickly and uh, infused into the bloodstream. And then you've got your water-soluble carbohydrates and starches. Now, I'm not going to go into the dietary management of the horses and ponies because we did that a couple episodes ago. So next I would like to um, go on and um, talk about the dietary fat component of an overall ration calculation. And really when it comes to the hoof, um, there's no known effect on the rate of hoof growth or hoof quality. Um, there, I should say there's no measurable effect. So it just seems that what fat does is give calories to a horse that you're restricting carbohydrates from. So it's useful to go ahead and implement and use fat because that's not going to have the same glycemic um, result that say your carbohydrates are going to have. Now, this is talking about non-structural carbohydrates. Now, fats are also great to increase your energy density of a ration, which um, in effect will, um, you know, give a little boost to the horse. It's very useful in horses that have been starving. They will implement a little fat. Now, remember a few episodes ago, we said you had to implement fat over the course of a few weeks because horses don't have a gallbladder. And so um, they kind of come up with their own way um, to metabolize those fats. So they um, recommend a gradual supplementation over the period of like 10 to 14 days. So fat not necessarily going to affect your hoof quality or hoof horn or hoof growth um, as far as research is concerned right now. So then 
they have not found any studies that confirm that, I should say. So next we'll go into dietary protein. Now, veterinarians likely recognize that poor quality hair coat and poor hoof growth, including abnormal growth rings, are common in poor nutrition, and that involves protein deficiency. So these conditions usually will improve over time as the diet gets more normalized and balanced and uh, takes effect. So um, that protein level is important. It's like the building blocks for your um keratinized structures in the horse. So the hoof gets a lot from those amino acids and in that protein. So you never want to chance in that area uh, unless there's a disease that a veterinarian will say you have to lower your protein amounts. And um, I think that's very important to realize that um, Young horses especially, you cannot chance on that protein. Um, there's a lot of problems that can crop up long term uh, with a horse not getting good quality protein as a youngster. Older horses, you can kind of make up for it and reverse those effects. So that's protein. Now we'll go into the micronutrients of the hoof. And the first one is always biotin. So it's been in hoof supplements and marketed. Um, I think it does improve hoof quality. However, recent research has shown that biotin is synthesized by the um, microbiota that is in the horse's intestines, and that um, this is in the caudal region of the gastrointestinal tract, and that per se, there's not ever a deficiency in a horse uh, of biotin. However, it's been, um, you know, so marketed that feed biotin to improve hoof quality. And there have been studies that have shown ponies um, when they're fed biotin of 0.12 milligram per kilogram daily. So um, for five months that their hoof horn did improve and they had a higher hoof growth rate. So they're have been positive studies on supplementing biotin to improve hoof quality. Now, I would say if you have a horse whose genetics dictate that they have flat and brittle feet, it doesn't hurt to go ahead and feed them a biotin supplement because it is a water-soluble um, nutrient. So, if anything, they'll just um, get rid of it. So they're able to process it and, and it'll be uh, urinated out of the body if they're getting too much. So really there are no incidences of toxicity of feeding too much biotin, but the recommendations to improve hoof quality is 30 milligrams a day. And a lot of supplements do have that. So, um, you know, 
whether or not you're wasting your money or not depends on the quality of your hoof and your environment and the genetics. So uh, I thought it was interesting, though, about the microbial uh, populations being able to produce biotin within the horse. And it's also interesting to note that according to the National Research Council book on feeding horses, that um, there is not um, recorded biotin deficiency. Um, And it's, you know, just one of those things I assumed it could be deficient, but apparently it isn't. But it certainly does not hurt anything to go ahead and feed a little biotin to try and improve your horse's hoof condition. The second micro uh, micronutrient is selenium. Now, this is the one nutrient that if there is a problem, it's because the horse is getting too much. So it's one of the few overages that cause hoof problems. So you really have to be careful if you're in a selenium-rich area of a country, you do not need to supplement selenium. It'll be in your horse feed in small amounts. Um, You don't necessarily need it in a supplement. So uh, you can, in the United States, you can look up whether you're in a rich area or not. It also can be pretty much um, in alfalfa hay. So you can look that up if you're in a deficient zone. Um, you really don't have to worry about overfeeding it. So um, just Google selenium map and it will come up especially in the United States, the zones that tend to have high levels in the soil. And then you will know, don't feed selenium. Um, It is called also the alkali disease. So it can affect mane and tail, uh, cracking of the hoof wall near the coronary band, and in more severe cases, sloughing of the hoof capsule. So you know, a toe crack begins at the bottom of the hoof or the where the hoof makes ground contact. In selenium overages, it starts up high at the coronary band. So that should always be a warning to you um, right there. Now, the two, what I think are one of the most important nutrients in hoof health is copper and zinc. Zinc is directly involved in skin, hair, and hoof development, and among other functions throughout the horse's body. And dietary zinc deficiency is associated with hair loss, um, abnormal collagen production. So horses normally need 40 milligrams per kilogram dry matter on a daily basis, and that's an adult horse. Um, They're fairly tolerant if you were to exceed that level. Uh, They did a research paper where levels of 500 to 700 milligram per kilogram um, has been well tolerated. So um, I don't think you really have to worry about overfeeding it. So if you were to do a ration calculation and you see your zinc is maybe at 200%, Uh, your nutritionist will probably say, 
um, you know, as long as it um, is okay with your copper, um, to leave it as it is. So you're not going to get these ration um, calculations uh, perfect. Also, copper deficiency has been associated with um, brood mares. Their babies have been, um, you know, when they're born, they end up with uh, the developmental orthopedic disease. So now they recommend that brood mares have 10 milligram copper per kilogram dry matter. And then um, that way, um, it kind of covers their, um, you know, the babies that they have. It's good for their bones and all that. So um, we've got the copper and then the zinc. And the one thing that I wanted to uh, say, and I think um, Ida would recommend too, is um, zinc deficiency is associated with poor hoof quality in horses. And is perhaps more likely to be observed in young animals. So um, another thing I wanted to say is um, sometimes if you have too high of a level of dietary zinc, uh, it's associated with interfering with copper absorption. So that you have to be concerned about too. So keep it that 40 milligram per kilogram if you can, um, 500 to 700 milligram has been tolerated. And then um, with the copper, you can do 10 milligram of copper per kilogram dry matter, but it is recommended not to exceed 700 milligrams of copper um, per kilogram of dry matter. So um, that is one of the things, even though sometimes people fed more than 700 milligram per kilogram of copper to broodmares and there were no adverse effects, but the NRC recommends you stay between those two levels. So that is the micronutrients. So we've got carbohydrates, fats, proteins, micronutrients. And then next week we'll have Ida on and she's going to tie this all together for us uh, just to kind of uh, give you an example in the day of a life of a hoof care specialist and what they would recommend um, for your horse. If you have any questions for her, uh, send them to us either through the Anchor homepage uh, do a recording and we'll play it, or go ahead and send me a message on Facebook. Um, you can send Kate a message on Instagram, and Kate may be back next week from her conference. So um, I'll look forward to joining up with two other people, and uh, I've hoped you enjoyed it um, this week. Thanks so much. Bye-bye.